Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Holt. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude and over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a 12-month practitioner mentorship where I help other nutrition pros level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what the show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I'd love for you to subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. Oh, hello again, friends. Welcome back to the show. Today we're going to talk about my morning ritual, and I'm still really getting used to some different aspects of my new office. It is um, my new old office. So since pandemic, I have been working out of my guest bedroom. So we had, my old office was upstairs in the attic. My husband took that over and like made it a really nice room. I just did not have the wherewithal to do it. But um, so I moved down into the guest bedroom and this weekend (laughs) I was like, you know what? I'm here every single day of my life and guests are most certainly not. So why is my office like you know, dedicated to somebody else. This doesn't make any sense. I'm over it. And so Monday morning I had Scott drag the mattress and the bed frame out of this bed or out of this room. And now I am fully and slowly taken over and just making this like full on Aaron Holt health headquarters. But I changed the position of my desk and like my microphone's in a new spot. Everything's kind of weird and wonky. Um, And the acoustics are a little off. I did test the audio ahead of time, so I think we're good. But I'm trying to keep the room open, like half the room open because it's my yoga space. And I like a wide open space for yoga. So there's a little bit of an echo, but I think we're good. This will, this will be the, the true test, this episode of the podcast. But all of that, is relevant to today's show because we're going to be talking about creating space and taking up space in our home or dedicating space in our homes to ourselves, or really our day, dedicating space in our day, creating space in our body to figure out what the hell we want. So my morning ritual, I... Um, This has been a very important part of my life for a very long time. And of course, this is not going to be a nutrition forward episode, but I do hope that you tune in and you listen because if there's one point that I would love to get across to everybody, all of my listeners, is that nutrition in food is extremely important, but it's not the only piece of the health puzzle. And as someone who has gotten a pretty scary autoimmune disease in remission and keeps it there and also has worked with hundreds, I don't know, maybe thousands of women at this point, I can tell you that this stuff really matters. And, you know, let's use hormones as an example because I'm running your hormone revival right now. We, when it comes to health, we're like, we tend to take an outside in approach. I mean, that was the whole name of the game of the past two weeks where we talked about the gut skin connection and that rarely works or it might work for a little while, but truth, true health, true hormone balance and true overall health really starts in the inside and we kind of work our way out and Anyone going through your hormone revival or who has gone through that knows that is true. So um, I, I shared about my morning ritual on Instagram just a little bit. And I was like, hey, if you want to hear more about this, let me know. And I did get a, a pretty good response. So I know that this, this stuff is intriguing to you. So I wanted to dedicate an episode to it. And I tend to, you know, I I was showing some like witchy trinkets 
I called them. I went to a store, one of my favorite local stores, Yarrow in Kittery, Maine. It's amazing. If you can make a little day trip there, do it. You will spend a lot of time. It's just a really lovely spot and great for holiday shopping. Just a heads up. And, um, I was sharing what I call my witchy trinkets. And I, I do want to say that it is, um, we are living in a time where we can use the word witch without any fear of repercussion or ramification. And of course, this is a nod to the witch hunts and the witch trials. And uh, I mean, we're, we're right on the other side of Halloween here. So it seems fitting or it seems like that's why I'm talking about this. But, you know, women who spoke out, never mind use the word witch. Women who spoke out risked death and torture and divide from their community. Women were pitted against each other. Mothers and daughters were pitted against each other. And um, many of us carry in our DNA something which is known as the witch wound. And I don't have time to get into it on this episode. It's not what it's about here. This is just kind of a nod to the woman that came before us and who suffered greatly. And um, there there was a, a, a way paving <laughs> throughout the the centuries that have allowed us to get to a point where we can say witchy in kind of like a cheeky way, you know, very nonchalant with the spiritual practices that we have. And that has not always been the case. Um, and if you want to do a quick Google search on the witch wound, it will take you down some cool rabbit holes. But essentially, this is a, a lot of why women can't use their voice or are afraid to use their voice or afraid to speak out. It, it goes a lot deeper than we than we think. But um, it's basically anything left of the patriarchy, there is risk for death in torture. Um, and it's it's not lost on me that I am releasing this episode on election day. Um, I know that there's a lot of stuff going on. I know that there's a lot of emotions going on. It seems that our emotions are really tough to navigate right now, uh, for lack of a better term. We have the pandemic, we have the election, we have a lot of, a lot of things going on in our country. And there's a lot of not knowing and that not knowingness tends to weigh pretty heavily on us. So I think it's as good as time as any to release this episode where we can start, if we haven't done so already, we can start to establish a grounded, sacred practice for ourselves, grounded, sacred space for ourselves each and every day. Now now's a good time to do it. Um, and the cool thing is that Halloween fell on a full moon and it was the second full moon of the month, which makes it a blue moon. So big magic happening, right? And we're, we're right on the the heels of that. So if you are interested in establishing a morning ritual, it could be kind of cool to do a little moon challenge for yourself. Maybe I know we're, we're after the full moon, but maybe you start and you kind of go full moon to full moon or new moon to new moon and commit to a daily ritual for a month and see what changes and see what shifts for you. And just as a heads up, it's probably going to be a lot. Um, so I invite you to that personal challenge. Now my morning ritual, I started it I, I, about six years ago, maybe a little under six years ago, we moved into this house in October of 2014. So six, six years ago, this um, this month, well, the time of recording this month, Hattie was four months old. So I was a new mom, wasn't feeling well. I was super anxious and we moved to a new town. We moved to a new house. Um, I was a new homeowner. I was a new mom. I was a new self, lots of new things going on. And I felt like I needed to put down roots in my new life. And, um, I didn't, I wasn't working out of the home at the time with the exception of teaching some occasional yoga classes. Like I think I taught, I don't know, two times a week when Hattie was a baby, I only taught on the weekends. Um, so not, not a lot point is I had time and space to create a cozy start to the morning. Um, and <laughs> that is what I told myself. I'm like, this is a cozy start to the morning versus this is a dark, cold morning. I'm exhausted and I'm depressed. <laughs> cozy start 
felt better. Um, and then it really evolved over time. Most mornings, it has been some version of journaling, card pulling, but really introspection. Um, so before I get into talking about what a morning ritual is, I want to explain what a morning ritual is not. And it is not what capitalism, white supremacy, patriarchy, and diet culture tell you to do. And I say that because an Instagram pal of mine, Happy Shapes Naomi, she's been on the show, episode 77, Opting Out of Diet Culture and Cultivating Self-Trust. But just last week, she put this on my radar. Um, she posted about a screenshot of Rachel Hollis, um, her, one of her planners that are found in Target. And I am not, I haven't, I haven't ever consumed any of Rachel Hollis's content, so I can't tell you anything about her. I believe she's the girl, wash your face chick. Um, so I can't say anything about her. All I'm going off is this one post. And I'm like, ew. Um, so she has in her daily planner, the five to thrive checklist. These are the five things you're supposed to do every day as part of your morning routine. One, wake up an hour earlier. Doesn't matter what your adrenals are doing. Doesn't matter what your hormones are doing. Doesn't matter what your insulin level is doing. Don't worry about the sleep. You just get yourself up an hour earlier. Okay. Okay. Work out for 30 minutes. Drink half your body weight in ounces of water. Ooh, that's an old diet culture nugget that we love. Practice daily gratitude. Like, don't forget your daily gratitude. Love and light. And then, this is my favorite one, give up one category of food. And so every day, I guess you're giving up a new category of food, which is very bizarre and reads kind of like an eating disorder. So thank you for that, Rachel Hollis. So again, a morning ritual is not a bullshit checklist like this. It is not what the world is telling you to do. It's not a prescription. It's not a five-point checklist. And it's certainly not the same for every single person. It's actually the antithesis of this, of this nasty, gross list. It's giving yourself a sacred pause to say, what do I need? fuck all that other noise, screw somebody else's checklist. What do I need? What do I need? And I'm going to go through, so, so there's no prescription here. So I can't be like, here's the step-by-step -step list to create your morning ritual. But I want to explain first why I think there's such a need for one. And I want to tell you about how I found my way back to my morning ritual after a brief hiatus. So for the past uh, month-ish, couple months maybe, my anxiety has been on a slow simmer. And then one Friday morning, it hit an absolute fever pitch. Like I was like borderline panic attack, maybe an actual panic attack. It was kind of hard to tell, but it went on for three days. So essentially I had like a three day panic attack. In the week leading up to that, I was dancing pretty hard with my shadow side, feelings of failure, feelings of not enoughness. They were really screaming at me. And I was just feeling so overwhelmed with everything. And then it all kind of came to a climax. And I just had this, like, like I said, three day panic attack. And then I was hit in the head. <laughs> like literally hit in the head. Scott and I went out to dinner or we attempted to go out to dinner for his birthday and we sat outside and the waitress came over to light the heat lamp and dropped it on my head. So that didn't feel great. You know, like one of those huge metal heat lamps. It wasn't on fire, thank goodness. Uh, just like smashed me in the skull. So I was like, this is like quite literally a wake up call, right? something needs to change here. Something needs to change here. I can't just like be like low simmer anxiety. I can't just feel overwhelmed. This cannot be my approach to life. And so I was talking to a good friend of mine, Kyle, uh, Root Down Nutrition, and she reminded me that she's like, what about your morning ritual? What about your altar? Like, have you been doing that? Do you need to get back to that? And I was like, oh my God, I hadn't even realized that my morning practice had fallen away from me. So there's something that you need to understand about me. I wake up fully charged 
my sleep is on point. I get good rest. So I'm like LFG in the morning. Let's effing go. And I have at any given time, plenty of things to dive into right out of the gate. As your business grows, there's more demands on you. There's more asks. Like there's never not something to do. There's always 10 to 20 things at any given time that need my attention. And there's also some more entitlement that comes with business growth. And stay tuned for that because I've already recorded an entire business episode, Strictly Biz episode on entitlement because you all wanted it. So it is coming in hot. Maybe next week I'll release that one. Anyway, point being is people have a lot of expectations as your business grows. And that's not a uh, complaint at all. That's just stating facts. So... I was in, I was kind of going through the, the, this growing pain of figuring out my yeses from my noes. And there's also this component of watching people become frustrated with you when what used to be a yes turns into a no. That was, that's why I dedicated the entire Strictly Biz, the very first Strictly Biz episode to your yeses and your noes. So I was dealing with all of this and then, you know, the, the feelings of failure when people are disappointed with you, or you think people are going to be disappointed with you, all that, like that, that yuckiness. And what had happened is I had fallen into the trap of, I don't have enough time because there's so many demands on me. I don't have enough time for me. And I had really convinced myself that since I was doing like the quote unquote self-care practices that I was totally fine because I was still going for my daily woods walk. I was practicing yoga. I was eh, not that much, but I was practicing some yoga. I was meditating. I was going into my sauna. I was taking baths. I was doing breath work, doing Reiki. I'm like, check, 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 doing it all. But my day, every single day, Monday through Sunday, every day was started off invested in other people's energy. I wasn't giving myself my sacred pause, the time to check in with myself, to set my energy first. I was getting pulled into everyone else's agenda right out of the gate. And this is why I'm saying don't follow somebody else's checklist. Don't follow Rachel Hollis's checklist. That's her agenda. That's somebody else's agenda, right? It doesn't work. So I would wake up and I would check Instagram comments. I would check Instagram DMs like right out of the gate. I would go to my Facebook groups that I moderate. I would check in with everybody there. I would go right to my email inbox. I would check in with Voxer, which is a way that I communicate with a lot of people. And I realized that I was starting to feel resentful. And in fact, the morning of panic attack day one, before the panic attack happened, like right before the panic set in, I remember saying to a friend those exact words, I'm starting to feel resentful. Not for with because of anyone in particular, just like this general feeling of like feeling resentful of people needing me. That includes family. (laughs) You know, like it's not just work. It's like Everybody, everybody that's putting expectations on me, it felt like too much. I felt suffocated. I felt like I was drowning in other people's expectations. And to be clear, the problem was that is not the fact that I was involved with other people's energy and agendas. Like you literally have to do that in order to run a business in a household. You have, you have to be involved with other people to some extent. But the problem was that I didn't even give myself a spare second to check in and say, what do I need today? Um, how much do I have to give today? What's my starting point? Where am I at? Right? To sit down and just like ground into my own energy and assess myself. Where am I at? What's my starting point? How much do I have to give today? There was none of that. So without doing that, I was very easily pulled into everyone else. And I do have those uh, empathic tendencies. And I know a lot of you do too, because I've pulled you before. And I know there's a lot of empaths out there. When I felt overwhelmed, which had become an everyday occurrence, I was like, is this mine? Is this my overwhelm? Is this my anxiety? Or am I feeding into somebody else's or somebody else's feeding into me? And like, I, I, I couldn't figure out why I was feeling that way. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. I, I really started to feel a little bit 
out of touch with myself. And I shared this quote recently on Instagram. I'm going to read it again here. Uh, Give yourself space to really understand what you might need from the day rather than what the day needs from you. That one essentially jumped off off the page at me. Um, That is from Seeding Sovereignty, their Instagram page. And that's really, I think, encapsulates what a morning ritual is all about. Before you check your email, before you check your Instagram, before you start your day for your children and start doing everything that they need, you have to take care of yourself first. You have to set your energy first. And really that dictates the entire outcome of the day. And I know that I have a lot of business owners that listen to the show. It also sets your income, by the way. So it sets the outcome of your day, but it also sets your income. Um, Brendan uh, Bruchard says, and I got this from Jill Coleman, the inbox is just an organizing system for other people's agendas. And I was like, when I first heard that, I was like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't know about that one. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, people are emailing you because they need something from you. Now, of course, a lot of those somethings generate revenue and make your business go around, but your inbox is not where you go to take care of your own needs, right? Your inbox is where you go to handle other people's needs. And so Jill Coleman says, take care of your business first. Do your to-do list first. She says, there's no collaborations at the expense of your own projects. And this, again, this is very business-minded and I'm speaking specifically to business owners here, but the same is true for your day and your energy. Handle yourself first. And I am really trying not to use the self-care terminology because I just, I've never liked it. I've never been a fan. I have always just used it in lieu of something else or like, you know, for lack of a better term. But I really, what I'm talking about self-care or talking about these practices, I'm really talking about tending to our sacred needs. That's really what I mean. And so it's like, kind of like, whoa there, tiger, pump the brakes. Before you get into everybody else's agenda, can you take a moment for you to ground yourself? Take a moment to figure out what do you need? Give yourself space to really understand what you might need from the day rather than what the day needs from you. And if you give yourself that space, a lot can take form. I have seen this in myself and in my business over and over and over again. So my business is going through a really big transition right now. And you might have heard me allude to it, but not really give specifics. And that is because I did not have the specifics to give. I knew I was undergoing something pretty big. I knew my business was shifting. I knew that things were changing and I was making these little micro decisions, but I didn't know to what end. I didn't know what the outcome was. And this has been going on for months and months. And it's a really unsettling feeling for me. And probably most people, we like to know what to expect. So I was in this bizarre place where I'm like, I don't think that's working anymore, but I actually don't know what the next step is. And I was letting go of things, but not sure what I was calling in and just letting go of things, especially income generating activities feels really scary when you're in business. So this is what I was excited to tell you. And I I didn't make this up just to like prove a point for the show. Um, but within one week of recommitting to my morning ritual, those answers downloaded the clarity really started to take shape. All of a sudden I was like, oh my God, this is the bigger picture. This is where we're going. This is where Aaron is headed. This is where Aaron Holt Health is headed. And things just, before I just felt like I was kind of free floating in space. And then all of a sudden I felt more grounded. I'm like, oh, okay, I got it. And because I hadn't, created any space for myself. I was just focusing on what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next. I didn't, I couldn't, I had no mental white space. I had no mental white space. So there was no room for inspiration and ideas to come in. 
There was no, no space for it. I didn't have any space. I wasn't creating that space, carving out that space and protecting that space. So nothing was coming in. It was just like, I just felt like I was on this conveyor belt. And the week that I gave myself a sacred pause each morning, I had my answer within days. And again, this is a pattern that I've seen show up several times in my life. So today I really want to talk about creating the time, creating the space, and then what do you actually do? Once you have the time and the space, what do you do with it, right? What do you actually do in your morning ritual? So let's start with creating the time because this is something that I hear on repeat. I'll do this when I have the time. I'm going to do this X, Y, Z when I have the time. I'm going to commit to blah, 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 blah when I have the time. Saying that you'll do something when you have the time is really the kiss of death because you're you're never going to have the time unless you make the time. That's the hard truth. That's the tough love that I tend to dole out. And what I say in my programs like YHR, no one is going to hand you an extra hour of your day on a silver platter. If you're waiting for that, like you're going to wait a long time. Nobody's going to show up and be like, hey, I heard you were looking for some extra time. So here you go. Here you go. It's never going to happen, right? You have to actively make the time. You have to seek out the time. You have to make the time and then you have to take the time. Because I see a lot of women tuck away, okay, this is going to be my time. And then something comes up as it always does. Inevitably, something will come up because life is life. So don't create this space and then convince yourself you should fill it up with something else. You have to make the time and then you have to take the time. You have to stake your claim on that time. You have to protect that time. This is a space and it doesn't have to be an hour. It can be 15 minutes. My morning ritual is generally somewhere between 15 to 30 minutes, really max. And so it doesn't have to be like this all day affair, but you do have to find a chunk of time and protect it, right? It is not a space for anybody else's agenda. So if something else comes up, it is not on you to deal with somebody else's stuff during your protected time. And um, somebody on Instagram chimed in when we were talking about our morning rituals, she said, I think it's a habit that just needs to become repetitive. So everyone in the house knows it just happens. And I was like, no, (laughs) no, nope. Got to reframe that. It is never going to just happen. People aren't going to all of a sudden get on board. It's not just going to like organically take shape. You're going to need to create some structure. You're going to need to, especially if you're in a family, right? If you have other people relying on you in your household, you're going to need to create expectations and you're going to need to protect that sacred time for yourself. You're going to have to put forth the effort. Again, nobody's going to swoop in and be like, hey, you look like you need a 15 minute uh, timeout, lady. Nobody's going to do that. So you actually have to... um, you have to be the foreman here. You have to map this out. Um, a lot of moms will wake up earlier than their kiddos so they can have that, that time. Now, my kid has always been an earlier riser. So like sometimes she would wake up as, as early as 4.30 when she was younger. So I've never been one to set the alarm clock to wake up ahead of my kid. One, because her wake up times were wildly unpredictable. And two, I just needed my sleep. I needed my recovery. I wasn't getting a lot of it. So I had to take whatever I could get. And that was more important to me. But, you know, depending on what time your kiddos wake up, you could always do that. You could always just simply set your alarm clock you know, 30 minutes before they wake up. And so, you know, you have that built-in structured time that could, that could work. And I'm just going to say that if you're going to make, if you are going to wake up earlier, then you also have to make sure that you're going to bed earlier. You don't want to, um, you know, scrimp on sleep in order to make this happen. You need both of those things. Um, of course you can enlist a partner, to run interference. Scott is usually out in the woods running. He does a lot of trail running or um, now that he's home. But before that, he would wake up um, and go to the gym in the morning before work. And I am, it, to me, it's very important that he gets his space for his, to tend to his sacred needs. And I, I really encourage that in our relationship. Um, he just went on a three-day camping um, trip 
just this weekend. That's really important to me that he's making that space for himself. But I also get that in return, right? That is a two-way street. And I have found that the more I allow him to tend to his needs, the more he is willing to do that for me and like vice versa. Like we just, we just continue to show up and support each other and and create space for ourselves to take care of ourselves, which is really, uh, really important. So I just want to remind folks of that. If if the expectation is that I'm going to create time for myself, then that should also be offered up to any partner in any relationship. Um, another thing that I will pass along that this, this one has, when, when we first had Hattie, I found myself kind of seeking permission to do things like, Hey, do you mind if I go for a walk? Or, Hey, do you mind if I go to yoga today? Or, Hey, do you mind if I do X, Y, Z? And something a friend of mine said was that I never ask for permission. I just say, this is what I'm going to do. And it completely changed. Like I, I don't think Scott doesn't, doesn't, didn't really care either which way, but for me, it changed between like, do you mind if I take care of my needs to, I'm going to go take care of my needs right now. Right. It was, it was a big internal shift in me. So I'll, I will pass that along to you because I really cherished that, that little token, that little piece of advice. Um, that was a big, a big help for me. So, um, a lot of the times now I'll be like, Hey, I'm going to go up and do a three hour breathwork class, or I'm going to go do, I'm going to go meditate, or I'm going to go take a, a bath, or I'm going to go do this. And it's always met with, um, he always receives it really well. So that could be another thing is like just setting the expectations for the, the members of your household. Like, hey, I'm going to be doing this. Like kind of like that's it. I'm going to be doing this. And, um, you know, when Hattie was younger, she's six now, she still needs breakfast in the morning, obviously. So I get her breakfast. I wake up, I get her breakfast. I get her set up with her needs. She really loves her morning routine as well. So she likes to have her breakfast. She likes to watch a show and snuggle up on the couch. And that is how she enjoys starting her day. And so while she's doing that, I am doing my morning ritual. Before she was old enough to watch TV and like be left unattended, um, I would just do my practice in the same room as her while she played. And, um, uh, when she was, when she was younger, I had a desk set up in the room. That's her playroom. I had like my own section of her playroom. So it was like, kind of like my designated space and she could play. Um, and I've always encouraged independent play from day one. That is just how I parent. Um, so it, that, that really worked well for me. So I could still keep eyes on her, but also be tending to my needs at the same time. Okay. So the second thing, so the time thing is, is big. That's really the first place to start is where is this going to fit into your day? Um, I think first thing in the morning is, is the best way to, to set the pace of your day. So I would encourage you to figure out where that's going to be. And then the second thing is creating the space And this is what I have, this has been a slow burn for me is getting more comfortable with taking up space in my house. So like I just told you, I just staked my claim on an entire room. My office is now my room. It is not office slash guest bedroom. It's not office slash something else. It is Erin's space. It's her yoga room. It's her meditation room. It is where she builds her empire. It is where I have my altar set up for my morning ritual. It's my bookshelf. It's like all my favorite things. It's like, feels like a sanctuary in here. And now we have a, we have a bigger house. Uh, it's like weirdly, we didn't like go out of our way to buy a big house. It's, it's spread out like (laughs) kind of in a funky way. Um, it's just very, it's a very tall house. So the, there's rooms redone in the attic. So we have like two extra rooms up there. Anyway, I'm just saying we're a little bit spoiled with space here and we have one child. So I know that kind of changes things. So not everybody's going to have like this big, huge room for themselves. I get that, but you can have a nook or you can have an altar. You can have a some place you go where it's just yours. And for some reason, this, this is the tricky one for folks, um, for moms, for women taking up space in our house is a tricky one. Um, and I heard Sarah Jenks say 
that what if your sacred space was just as important as the coffee table in the living room? Like, why are we shortchanging ourselves on space when we give it so freely to other people? And there's just something about, I don't know, Scott claimed his, like he totally had this idea of this space he wanted to create in the attic. And it involved like moving things around and bringing in new furniture and getting a new uh, record player and just he really had a vision for it and he went for it and just built it out and it's like such a cool space and seeing him do that gave me I don't want to say gave me permission but in a way I like permitted myself like oh he he did that I can do that too and so I would I I don't know I, I think you sticking a claim on a, on a, a space in your house can, can free up for other people to do that as well. Like Hattie's like, Ooh, I'm going to do this. You know, it, it just kind of like sets the, sends the message that we are allowed to have private sacred spots for ourselves. We are allowed to have sacred time for ourselves. That's like totally fine and really healthy. Um, but if you're struggling with saying like, well, where's it going to be? And like, I, there's, I can't, I can't take up space or, you know, if you're, if you're, I, when I think about like, why do we not usually take the space or take the time? It's because like, we feel like we don't have it because we're giving out our resources to other people instead of putting them inside of our selves, right? This is why we're not taking the time. This is why we've convinced ourselves we can't, we can't do this for ourselves. And the interesting thing, the, the interesting part about it is when you do take the time and take the space in your life, it creates a bigger container for you to hold other people, for you to show up in a bigger and better way. Um, I rem- remember doing a workshop with Erin Telford about setting energetic boundaries And she gave us a mantra while we were breathing that I'll never forget. And she said, my boundaries are so strong that I can hold the entire world if I needed to. And that jumped out at me. And it's something that I repeat when I'm struggling with boundaries because it, it forces out the idea that boundary setting is selfish. And it instead reinforces that holding our boundaries is a sacred practice because it's honoring our sacred needs. We feel so badly for setting boundaries, but in reality, the more we can honor our needs and create boundaries around those, the bigger our container becomes. The more patient we are, the more kind we are, the more depth we have, the more we have to give. On a day where I do my morning ritual versus a day that I don't, the days that I, I, I just take that, you know, 20, 30 minutes for myself, I come downstairs all, all smiles. You know, Scott will come in from his run and I'm like, how was your run? I am just so, I feel so fulfilled and that kind of spills over to the people in my life. Like I feel grounded, I feel secure. And on the days that I don't, I feel very rushed. I feel very frantic. I feel irritated. I feel irritable. I don't have the patience to give, I feel like I don't have time. Like, I don't have time for this. That, that is me. That is like my energy on a day that I don't do my morning practice. So it's very bizarre because taking the time to create a morning ritual actually slows down time in a way. It actually frees up time in a way. Um, so those days that I do, which is most days, like just every day, cause I committed to an everyday practice on the days that I take the 15, 30 minutes for myself, I just simply feel happier. I feel more at peace because I know what I need and it makes everything so much better. It makes you feel better and it makes you show up better in a way that benefits every single person in your life. So if you're kind of scrapping around inside your head being like, oh, I can't really take the time. I can't really carve out the space. I can't really do this. I would encourage you to think about it in a totally, totally different way. Um, so in terms of setting the space, once you've like pinpointed a space, then you want to make it yours. 
bring in some special items and do not overthink this. Don't let trying to perfect the space paralyze you from actually moving forward. Don't overthink it. Just pick up some trinkets, you know, like around the house that are special to you. I have a table that is, um, my, was my grandmother's and then aunt Patty held it and she gave it to me. And so it is, the tables itself is gorgeous. Um, but it's also really special and meaningful. So I have that in the corner of my office and, um, but you can just find a, you know, uh, uh, an end table or, a like even a big windowsill or your dresser in your bedroom or something you know something that nobody's going to touch and nobody's going to tinker with and it's just your space and then you can put some you know some elements from outside maybe some rocks or you can if you love crystals you can put crystals I'm, i've been a crystal junkie since i was a little kid i used to like love to go to crystal stores when i was little and just like fill up a little baggie of crystals. So I really, really connect with stones and crystals. So I have them a lot of places. Candles, um, a nice beeswax candle. Um, Make sure that they're unscented or they're not using synthetic fragrance because you don't want your sacred space to be a toxic one. Um, Plants is always really nice. Oils, if you use essential oils, you could put some on in the diffuser, like doing something ritualistic, lighting a candle, anointing yourself with oil, putting on a diffuser with a special scent, right? Like creating this space that feels kind of magical and kind of special, something a little bit different than your day-to-day life. You can put on music if there's some, there's some type of music that kind of sets you at ease. There's so many different things to do. You can do one of those suggestions. You can do all of those suggestions. You can do none of those suggestions, but do try to carve out a special little nook, a special little place and put some special things on it. Um, and then what do we do? Okay. So we, we've set the time. We've got the time on lock. We have the space now double UTF. Do we do once we're there? I am going to provide some ideas just to give you some structure to work within, but what specifically you do during that time is going to be pretty specific and unique to your body and your needs. And the longer the more you practice sitting in space, sitting in sacred space for yourself, the more clear it will become what you need. If you don't need, if you don't know right out of the gate, that's fine. That is what we are practicing. We are trying to create that, that white space in our life for answers to download. Um, and you might need to try some different things before you really hit your stride. So if you sit down and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Nothing's happening. Don't worry. Do not fret. This is a practice. Okay. Now, and you also have to do things that make sense for you. So for example, I do not do my full meditation practice in the morning and I, there's a reason for it. And I've tried it. I've been meditating for, um, I started a meditation practice in like 2006, no, 2007. So, you know, how, how long is that? 13 years? Is that, is that right math? Whatever. Long time. And never has a morning meditation practice ever worked for me. So I am not going to force that on myself, even though like every book on meditation and like spirituality everywhere is like, you need to start your day with meditation. I'm like, cool. That works for you. That doesn't work for me. Okay. So we we can like toss out suggestions, right? We can say that actually doesn't apply to me because remember I wake up ready to go. My brain is on fire. The second I wake up, I am ready to be productive. And then by 4 PM, my brain is not super productive. It's better for me to power down my work at four and then utilize my evening hours for more calming practices and longer form restorative practices, like a 20 to 40 minute meditation that I do most evenings of the week. Um, Again, I know myself, so I'm going to honor my needs. It doesn't make sense for me to try to fight myself just because I read in a book somewhere that I'm supposed to meditate in the morning. When we go to war with ourselves, who wins? So don't fight yourself, right? You don't need to do a long meditation practice in the morning unless you wake up and you're like, I need this calming, grounding practice. This is something that I need. So again, um, 
what we're not trying to do with a morning ritual is conform to what we think we should be doing or what others do or what others tell us to do. Okay. That is not what we're doing here. That is why a five point checklist doesn't work. We are creating sacred deep space to figure out what needs we have, right? If you're a mom with a young baby, your eyes might need to be open during your sacred practice, okay? (laughs) You might have to have eyes on the child, especially if there's candles lit around, okay? So for me, what I've, I've really resonated with is journaling. I've always been a writer. Pen to paper is my jam. Journaling, card pulling, um, nature gazing, all of these things I'll talk about in a second, but those all may make more sense for me on a practical level. If I had fallen into dogma about what my sacred practice should look like, I would have been more sleep deprived, right? Because I would have been, been trying to wake up earlier to meditate. Um, I would have been frustrated with myself and I would have thrown in the towel. So, and then my six year practice would have been zero year practice. So again, I just want to reiterate your morning ritual should reflect what's sacred for you, what's right for you, what's true for you and what feels like a healing for you. But any way you swing it, you have to take that sacred pause, that, that pause before you jump in the day and you rescue everybody else. You have to first start with you. And that's what the morning ritual is all about. So let's talk specifics about, um, cause I know, I know you'll have specific questions, card pulls. I really like working with Oracle decks. So they're just a deck of cards and you can pull one or you could do a full spread. And they always come with a, a companion book that tells you how to do a spread or what they mean when you pull a card and you can just pull a card look at the picture and be like, what does this mean to me? And then you can check in with the book and say, what does it mean? Um, two of my favorite decks at this point, like my two tried and true trusty ones, Angels and Ancestors by Kyle Gray, and then Sacred Rebels by Elena Fairchild. Both of those you can just grab on Amazon. Those I have really found, um, those have been really special for me. I don't read tarot. And, um, at this point in my life, I don't have a tremendous amount of interest in reading tarot. So I don't use tarot cards, but a lot of folks do. And I love listening to tarot. Like I've mentioned, um, tarot for the wild soul podcast that I really love, but I just, I'm just like, I cannot figure out how to do one more thing in my life right now. So, so the Oracle decks are, are awesome. And then I will usually journal about them. So I might pull a card, ask a question, pull a card, and then I will journal about it. And you can do those things. You can simply ask yourself, you can just sit there and ask yourself, what do I need to feel great today? That's it. You could do a meditation. And in fact, I'm going to send you to my website, aaronholthealth.com forward slash meditations, and you can grab a free guided meditation there. It's going to go out in the newsletter. So if you're already subscribed to the newsletter, no fret, you will get it. Um, but it's creating a sacred space meditation and there are tools that you can use throughout your day. You could use them at your, you know, in, during your morning routine, but you can also use them throughout your day anytime. Um, nature gazing, like I mentioned, I really, really, really connect with, um, with nature and with the elements. It is a sacred space for me. So I love looking out the windows. I live in New Hampshire. So we have very stark changes, stark contrasting seasons. And so I get to every, it kind of helps me, um, reflect on what's going on within and gives me permission to change. And so I just love looking out right now it's autumn. So the leaves are completely unbelievably beautiful. I love to watch birds as well. I like to, um, animal spirits to, to come in. So if I see, I see an animal, I'm always like, what does this mean? What's the symbolism? What's, what's the message here? I love that kind of stuff in movement. So this is something to consider, especially if you have a hard time getting focused. If you're somebody whose brain just kind of goes a million miles a minute, sometimes what we need to do is move the body to still the brain, move the body, still the body, still the brain. And 
that's fine. So maybe your morning ritual, especially when you're first getting started and you're like, I cannot focus. I feel very scattered is to simply move your body. Um, one of my favorite things to do in the morning, something called Sufi grinds from Kundalini. So if you're imagine sitting in a cross-legged position, I'm doing it now because I can't talk about it without doing it. Bring your hands to your knees or your upper thighs, and you're just rotating your torso around. Um, and you can move in a couple different directions. You can cross your legs a couple different ways. And that can feel really good to just start to wake up some of the energy in your body, especially after a long night's sleep. You can get on all fours and do cat and cow poses from yoga. So you're moving your spine, spinal undulations. That can feel really great. Side bends from a uh, cross-legged position could also be wonderful. Um, in child's pose, I just, uh, there's something about connecting my forehead or my third eye to the earth, to the ground beneath, that really helps me focus in on um, that third eye energy, the center of the head. Now, I will help you do that um, in that guided meditation. We'll, we'll, we'll walk you through that. So those are all things that you can think about. I really hope that this gives you some ideas to start with and gives you some reasons why it's so important to commit to yourself first thing in the morning. And I would love, if you do start to implement some of these ideas, I would love for you to tag me on Instagram so I can see your morning ritual and let me know how it's going. Maybe take some pictures. There's, I'm just kind of building in some accountability because a lot of us need accountability to really commit to something. So if you're going to embark on a challenge, post about it. Tag me. Show me what you're doing. I will reshare it and we will see how many of us we can get get going. Um, I am eh, about two weeks into like really recommitting by the time this airs, it will be like maybe a month into really recommitting to this practice. And I have to tell you, I am kicking myself for taking a hiatus and convincing myself I didn't have the time because truth of the matter is I do have the time and it makes me feel so much better. And I'm just like a better person. I'm just showing up as a better person to everybody in my life. And that makes me feel good too. Okay. So tag me on the sosh and, um, I'll be back next week to talk about something else. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you got something from today's show, don't forget, subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.